Bleacher Creatures Podcast. Bleacher Creature. 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 Bleacher Creature himself. What's going on, people? It's Luke here with John, and we are back for another episode of the Bleacher Creatures Podcast brought to you by Jones and for Sports. If you haven't done so already, go to anywhere social media lives, go follow the Bleacher Creatures podcast, and or Jones for Sports. Stay in the loop with all the sports you want in a format that's better for you than ESPN and all the bullshit from the other big networks. A um, lot of shit to talk about this week, Johnny. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, well, this is this is the this is the time of the year. This is like sports Christmas. In a sense, where you got the anticipation for the for the NFL draft, you got March Madness going on, and now you got MLB, and we're also steamrolling toward NBA and NHL playoffs. It's like everything, even soccer, just is like in the first month. Like everything mm-hmm. is. This is like the perfect little bit of everything. Um, but this time of the year, you'd be stupid to think that anything but March Madness is dominating. The viewership right now that maybe at the MLB, right? But we are now down to uh, what is commonly referred to as the Final Four, and Jesus Christ, really? that's what it referred to as. I would never would have known. Yeah, I know, right? Fucking, um, but yeah, we got we got ourselves a uh, a bit of a a bit of a surprising Final Four, I would say. I know I sure as shit didn't pick these four. Um, no, I have nobody. In the first time in five years, I don't have at least two teams in the final four. Yeah, actually, fuck, I don't, that's a good point. I don't even think I have one either. Um, I could see Michigan State being in there. Mm-hmm. That was definitely an option for me, but I didn't go that route. Um, Texas Tech, Auburn. Yeah, right. Virginia? No way. It's it, it sounds like four teams that come tournament time you don't ever seem to have faith in. No, you don't. Yeah, like you would I I know me and you have mentioned in weeks prior like Virginia's usually you know kind of iffy this time of the year. Michigan State seems reliable but is also prone to the massive fuck up every once in a while. I didn't see them beating Duke. I didn't give them a shot. I I, I thought they had maybe a max twenty percent, but nothing greater than that. Yeah, and uh, I mean Jesus, North Carolina and Duke to me are still the best teams, the two best teams. I don't think it's close. But well, biggest upset I think was Texas Tech beating Gonzaga. You think so? Yeah, because I think it's dude, Auburn beating Texas, North Carolina. I said it once, and I'll say it again. There's no reason that a Final Four team should have been knocked out of their conference tournament by this year's West Virginia Mountaineers. That sentence makes no fucking sense. I still think Auburn had no business beating North Carolina. I don't. That was my second biggest upset of all of them. But I mean, what? What I, what I what I'm gonna say I like about this Final Four is that it's equal representation where it's not like two or three ACC teams and like Kentucky, like it's not the same cast of usual suspects that seem to just dominate the tournament 
like a revolving door. Like I'm tired of the revolving door. Like I love this. Um, I definitely wanted to see Duke North Carolina in the finals. That would have been awesome. And I would and I think I still think those are the two best teams. I, I I don't think it's close, but they're not there anymore. So who gives a fuck? The the final four, the final four. You're right. Yeah, and also t- what I what I what I will say now, which I think is part me speaking from like a point of relief, is I'm so fucking tired of like maybe maybe we'll get a bit of a break. From hearing the name Zion Williamson for like maybe a week. Yeah, you'll get it for a week and a half. Yeah. And then and then obviously once the tournament ends, it's all the declarations for the oh, I'm going to the draft. Uh we'll see you at the combine. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, where's Cam Reddish's uh, draft status right now, huh? I would say halfway between a toilet bowl and a sewer valve. Uh, I'm not putting him anywhere up there, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Are you? Uh, uh, no. Nah, well, I just gave the analogy. I think that made it pretty yeah. obvious where the but, fuck I stand. I mean, geez, what do you have? Six, seven, eight points yesterday? I think eight, right? I mean. Nothing to ride home about. Oh, my God. Now, let's. So, we have, correct me if I'm wrong, it's Michigan State versus Texas Tech, Auburn, Virginia. Yeah, I think Auburn can win. So I do too. I, I, it, you put the gun to my head. I'm going. I'm taking Tigers. I have to. They're the hottest team in the fucking country, and I got to give credit where credit's due in terms of Auburn for not just. I mentioned Bruce Pearl. Do I think that he's the best coach of the Final Four? Not even close. But he's finding a way to get the best possible performances out of arguably his two best players, which I believe you and me agree is their guards. Yes? Oh, it's not even close. Right. So now you, you're more of an X's and O's basketball guy than I am, seeing as how you coached it. What exactly, for the, for the listener who may not be as um, well-versed in, in the ins and outs of basketball, what are these guards doing, you know, aside from the obvious, that's, that's making their, their play at such an elite level right now? I mean, as far as the two guards, on Jared Harper, the point guard on Auburn, is when he gets an open space either in the half court or the full court, you can see he blows by everybody. Yeah. I think that their emphasis is push the fucking ball, push it up the court, right? Even out of the, even out of the, uh, an opponent made basket, they race up the court. They are not a great half court team. Sometimes you'll see them struggle to score. And that's when they're a little stagnant in the half court. Um, especially without Bryce Brown, that their other guard, he's really seems to be the only guy that makes that, that can create his own shot out of the paint on offense. Uh, Harper is more, I'm going to get into the paint and, and, you know, attempt to attempt to leave, uh, some sort of layup, so to speak. Yeah. It's, it's just their team's mentality. I mean, North Carolina races up and down the court and they beat them at their own game. Right. And what's going to be very interesting about this Auburn Virginia game is we're talking two opposites here. Yeah. One team walks the ball up the court, wants a set offense. They'll pass the ball until they get a good shot. And they're playing D. Auburn is racing up the court. 
So whoever really it sets the tone as far as the pace of the game is most likely going to win. I don't see Auburn winning if it's a slow game, and if it's an up and down, I, I don't see Virginia winning. I could see this game being a blowout one way or the other for sure. Yeah, I I always like seeing the the, the alpha and omega styles clashing this this point in the year, just because there's no there's there seems to never be a gray area. Right. Like I I don't know if I see this game being a dogfight. Like I think Virginia can have enough defense to maybe hold Auburn under under eighty, which is what they're averaging on the season. It it doesn't matter about the point. It's the style of game that's played. I, right. I wouldn't say it's about how many points they're going to score. If Virginia, even if Auburn doesn't hit their shots, but it's a running up and down game, I still don't see Virginia winning. Right. Yeah, because uh, Auburn's I, I, Auburn's going to play fast. There's yeah, you are not going to stop them from playing fast. Whether it's careless or whether it's efficient or not is the yet to be seen. Right. Now, do you see? So you've already stated that Auburn is your pick to make the national title game. I can't, cannot see. Auburn had no business, in my opinion, winning last night. Right. I I, I don't think that Virginia is that good of a team. Do you? In that in in this year's ACC, I would make a legitimate statement that Virginia, at best, was the third best team in that conference. At worst, I would say fifth. Which doesn't indicate uh, to me that they're Final Four caliber. I mean, Kentucky's. I again, I'm not that high in Kentucky either, but but Kentucky's way more skilled than Virginia, a lot more youth. But you know, they beat. And I'll tell you what, Kentucky had had the massive amount of size on Auburn. Yeah. And Auburn fought that all game. I mean, PJ Washington got his. Where what's that other kid's name? Their, their center. Uh, oh, oh, I'm drawing God. goddamn blank. Travis. Too. Yeah. What did he really do? I mean, looking back, and the guard hero. What did Hero have? Did he even have ten points? I'm looking. He had seven points for Hero. Travis had nine points and six rebounds. I mean, for a big guy, he didn't do shit. Yeah, Hero's right. supposed to be their uh, their Redick, their version, and he did nothing. Yeah. Um, Auburn played well. Auburn's very underrated. I, I I see Auburn winning, and I'll tell you what. Based on who's on the other side of the bracket, I went down if Auburn won the whole thing. Well, the other thing that you got to take into account with Auburn too, they're they're riding the heater of heaters. Like I know I said this about Iowa State, but running through a weakened Big Twelve this year, heading into the tournament, was like a false flag operation where it's like it was like a false sense of hope. The, when you're beating Kansas, Carolina, why would you? Why the fuck would you fear? Virginia, when the clear better team was your last opponent and you beat them, I, I, I it, for me, it, it's, it's not gonna. I just don't think Virginia can, can, can. You, you, you said it best. Virginia can't run with them. If it, if it plays to that style, Virginia's fucked. I, 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 I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Now I could do more. I, the, the other game, so because me and you were both picking Auburn, we don't need to beat the dead horse yeah. here. When it comes to, I think this will be the better game between Tech I and agree. State. I, I want Texas Tech to win. I would love to see a Texas Tech Auburn final. Right, that's out. Michigan State bro, to win. Texas Tech Auburn 
or Texas Tech, <coughs> or I'm sorry, a Auburn Michigan State or an Auburn Texas Tech like anything. That's that's a fucking that sounds like a second third week of December bowl game like the fucking Camping World Bowl. Right, it, it really does. Um, but you know, right now Michigan State is the best team left. I mean, they knocked yeah. off Duke. They do a lot of things well. They hit the three. They their big guys played well. They have that point guard. Oh, I'm blanking on his name now. Jeez, uh, the bald one uh, with the headband. What the hell is his name? Is his name Winston? I believe yeah. so. Like Cassius Winston. Winston. Cassius Winston. I mean, he's great in their uh, backcourt and the front court. You got a couple of big bodies there. They got some good small forward play. They're pretty deep with a good coach. I mean, they're the best team left. Yeah, I don't. I I I I don't argue and that. And they're coming off a high of beating Duke. Right. They. I mean, they, they beat them. They dude. They Duke played well. It's not like Duke played bad. Yeah. I. Just this time of the year, I know Michigan State. Can be unreliable, but it's like it's it's Michigan State's a two faced team. Either they're gonna either they're a guaranteed Final Four or they're like a first second like a first round exit. It's very weird. Right. This is the year where you're getting the good side of the Spartans. Yeah, Izzo has that team believing in themselves and playing well. Yeah. Um. In your opinion, what does Tech need to do to stop State? That, you know. Because Michigan State plays so well both inside and outside um, with the guard and forward play, and they have some guys who can stroke the three. They have great offensive rebounders. They play well in the half court. They play well in the break. Not as well in the break as you would think, but enough for a passing grade. Uh, They're going to need everything to go their way. Um, You know how Auburn opened up the second half versus North Carolina? I think they banked in two threes and they hit two others. And they got an N1. I mean, that was the start of the second half. I think they're going to need a run like that, where just everything is working and nothing is working for Michigan State, and then they're going to have to hold on for dear life. Yeah, you think Jarrett Culver can uh, is capable of taking over this no. game? No. No, I don't. I, I agree. I think it's going to have to be a team effort for sure. Yeah, I, I don't see a way any, any of these players – I don't think one single player in this game can take that game over. Um, I think that if he doesn't have a good game, if he doesn't show up, Texas Tech's in trouble, though. I'll tell you that. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. I just don't think he could single-hand. If, if he's going to need to put up more than his average of 18.8 points per game. He's going to have to put up 24 to 20, to 30 for sure. If he scores under 18, I don't see them winning. I'll tell you that. Right. But he's going to have to contribute on both ends of the ball. The whole team is going to have to contribute on both ends of the ball. The, Michigan State is very well-rounded. This is a tough matchup for Texas Tech. Y- yeah. Even though Duke is the better team, you can match up with Duke because you know it's Barrett, you know it's Zion, and and everybody else, if they're going to beat you, so be it, right? Because you're just not going to let Barrett and Zion really beat you. Uh, kind of how UCF played them. But with Michigan State, they have five guys that can score the basketball. <clears throat> Not at will, but five guys who know their roles and know how to score in their roles. Yeah. It's a tough matchup. It it definitely is. Texas um, Tech's going to have to play very well. They're going to have to 
they're they're going to have to do everything right. Defense, offense, run their half courts, no one to fast break, no turnovers. If you notice, a lot of these teams that are playing really well right now have a very low turnover amount, like three, four, or five a game. Yep. Um, Texas Tech's going to have to do that. You can't give up second chance opportunities to Michigan State's bigs. No, you um, You know, you're going to have to, you're going to really have to call some good out of bounds plays, all right? Uh, you know, you've seen that all tournament with these coaches when another team goes on a run or if they really need a basket, uh, call amazing plays out of bounds. Even the what's his name kid who blew it versus Duke, who was it? Was the Virginia Tech kid? Oh, yeah. Uh, right? What an amazing play out of bounds. Right. Get them that look. These coaches are setting their kids up for success. We're going to see if Texas Tech can do the same. I mean, Chris Beard, Texas Texas head coach, he's you know, he's going to have to show his worth here. He's definitely going to have a big impact on this game. Well, also too, it's going to take a hell of an effort from from Beard to out coach a Hall of Famer. I don't think that he has to out coach him. I think he's just can't be out coached. So what do you think? He has to just play like 50-50 battle of the minds and hang tough? Yeah, I just don't think he – dude, I don't see Texas Tech being a better team than Michigan State. Again, I don't call what, what uh, Bruce Pearl did versus North Carolina out coaching North Carolina, do you? No. He, he, he coached his team well enough to hang in there. They opened up the second half. I mean, dude, some of those – did you see that at the beginning of the second half by any chance? I missed it. I was watching the Yankee game. All right. Some of these shots, I have no idea how the hell any of them went in, to be honest. <laughs> and 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 did he coach that? No, but he coached them well enough to hang in there, and they went on one run. They yeah. went on that huge run. They opened it up to 20 points or 18. Auburn or North Carolina cut it down to six, and I think they ran out of gas on yeah. that comeback. And that it's going to have to be a similar feeling for Texas Tech where – they're going to have to go on a run and just hope that Michigan State does not have enough in them to come back. So when they do come back, they, you know, you always see these college teams or even NBA teams, right? They go on these amazing runs to catch up, but the toughest part isn't catching up, right? The toughest part is maintaining the tie and or lead once it gets there because you just use so much energy to, to, to catch up. And the other team, if they just make one little 5-0 run. That's yeah, it. right. Now, yeah. Now, gun to your head, who is winning that game to play Auburn? You'd have to, you'd have to think Michigan State. State. I, and if Michigan State wins, I, I think they should be able to beat Auburn. I think Auburn is going to play tough. I just don't see them having the manpower. I, I don't, I don't know, dude. I just at this point in the tournament, I, I don't, I have, I have trouble thinking that a Big Twelve team this year is going to be able to outlast a top dog Big Ten team. Style of play-wise, it, yeah. it, it doesn't favor a Big 12 team. It never will. Unless it's Kansas, a loaded Kansas team. I, I, I'm i not going to argue. Yeah, so, I th- so we agree it would be an Auburn-Michigan State championship yeah, and since we're predicting in that game, who would you take? I I want to say Auburn, but I can't. If I had to bet money on, I would say Michigan State. But I'm pulling for Auburn. I want Auburn to win. Yeah. Uh, I just I, 
the problem with Michigan State, as far as a matchup for Auburn is, is first of all, are these these, these guards? They gotta have a bad game or an off game at some point. You would think, right? You would think one has to come sooner than later. But it might not. Yeah. I mean, you only got two games left, so. And it's not inconceivable to think that these two guards can maintain a hot streak for two more games. No, it's not. But at the same time, I would be shocked. If you got to remember, all it takes is one of them. Not both, just one. Yeah. Um, I think Bryce Brown is likely to go more cold because Harper gets to the rhythm a little more. Brown is more of a jump shoot. So when you when those guys go cold, sometimes they go ice cold. But yet again, all it takes is one shot to get them going in the right direction. Again. That is and true. And on offense, nobody else is really taking the shot besides those two. So they're going to keep. If they're missing, they're going to keep getting fed the ball. I'll tell you that. Right. I mean, they're going to be the reason they win or lose. You know, I don't see another person stepping up for thirty points or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, so it's. We both, I think it's obvious, are pulling for Auburn and realistically think Michigan State's going to win. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, moving on to what me and you would consider the Christmas in late March, which is opening week baseball. Yes, it is. What a great opening week for me as a Mets fan. Yeah, what a shitty opening week for me. Couldn't even be better. You know, we want to start with the Mets or the Yankees here? Uh, we might. Well, you won't, why don't we do this? Why don't we end this one on a high note, this segment on a high note, which will be the Mets, while I talk about how terrible of a manager Aaron Boone is. And uh, well, listen, we all knew that. Yeah, yeah but he, he keeps proving it now. And it's annoying. Well, I think proved it all last year too. Again, don't um, disagree. But um, what are your biggest? If you had one, the biggest beat with, with what's going on to start the year, what's your biggest beat? Okay, all you heard from myself included coming into this off into this season was that this lineup one through nine will kill you. While yeah. that may be a true statement, when you leave. 30 fucking runners on base in two games, and you only score fucking, what do we score? 10 runs in two games? Why are we, for, well, first off, this is. This is an Orioles pitching staff whose opening day starter was Andrew Kashner. Right. Now, no offense to Andrew Kashner. No, he's, he's fucking terrible. He's not, he's not up there with the Max Scherzers and Chris Sales. No, he's not up there with Kyle Wright. Um, Point is, what I'm from the Yankees' offense is the same thing that they got them in trouble in the postseason last year, which is non-situational hitting, uh, all-or-nothing swing mentality approach at the plate, no matter regardless of the count. And that's not going to work in the postseason. And right now, it's not working in the regular season. The only thing that worries me is I've never seen them seen that happen to them when they're playing a shitty. Uh, um, going against an opponent with a shitty bullpen and starting staff, that just happened. And you know what else bothered me a lot, specifically yesterday? What? Um, in the eighth inning, Tommy Canely walked the bases loaded, right? 
He waited yep. until Boone waited until ball four of the third batter to get Chad Green up, and then really and then he waited until about three pitches into that at bat to send out Rothschild. Obviously, just to buy Green enough time to get yeah, ready in no, case no, what. No, I, I've seen that from Nicky Callaway so far. I'm starting to get the same one. Okay, so you're going to pull a guy and try to. You remember, if you pull him like that after walking two or three or whatever, you're ruining this guy's confidence two games in the year. Again. You, you, you want to let him try to figure it out on his own, even if he means a loss in the beginning of the year. I, I, I understand that. But there's a way to handle a fucking bullpen. And what annoys me is if you're going to handle your fucking bullpen and you're going to be an MLB manager, you have to know how to do little things like manage your bullpen. I'm not saying burn them out and use them for 10, 20 innings in the first you know, three games. That's not what I'm asking you to do. What I'm asking you to do, what I'm asking you to do, is at least if you bring in one, you got another one fucking waiting. This is not a hard concept. I disagree. Bullshit. How? How can you possibly disagree with that? From the Yankees' standpoint, they shouldn't be good enough regardless to win the postseason. Last year, they 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 uh, wore out their bullpen way too quick. This year, they're probably trying not to do that. They know their bullpen is a strength. They can't wear it out versus Baltimore in the first series. Okay, and the only re- and here's what I'm going to say. You you got you're saying oh you got to save for the save for the playoffs, save for the postseason. You got to fucking get there. You got to get there by winning a fucking game or two. If I'm not saying yesterday was a winnable game, it was because of who our opponent was. But in the grand scheme of things, what what can always happen in baseball, and you know this as well as I do because you've seen it happen live, you never know when someone's elbow is going to snap and they're done for a fucking year, year and a half. Sure. At a bare minimum. If you bring one in, you got another one on deck waiting to come in in case of the worst, whether it's injury or a grand slam. Sure. Luckily, that's managing 101. And Boone and Rothschild don't seem to understand this concept. If this was any other game in any other situation, I would be willing to agree with you, especially later in the year. Right now, I can't agree with you. That's fine. You don't have to. I can't agree with you right now. I think that I'm you know what you know what I you know what I don't want you to agree with me. How about that one? All right. I will listen. There's certain things. There's a lot of shit on baseball. Me and you were going to agree on. It's on record here because of this podcast. Well, I, my my one beef with Mick Callaway would have been the same thing. That he. I, that he's been, he left the lefty Justin Wilson in to face Trey Turner, who already went deep yesterday, and who had the walk, and then ended up hitting the walk up home run. And you know Trey Turner rapes lefties. Yeah, um, he left Seth Lugo in two games ago, and probably he should have taken him out. But I cannot. Am I happy the way he handled the bullpen? No, but it is such a. Both managers did the same thing. Yeah. I agree with it though because you gotta 
Yeah, because even Hayden's gonna be a big guy for this team down the stretch. Because even 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 I know he does. Even and he he looks a lot better, like physically, like he he looks like he dropped about twenty pounds. Yo, it looks like he's throwing easier. And when he found the strike zone again, yo, he was pounding the zone. But I'm just saying, at a certain point, it's a it, they're relievers. One comes, they're like they're like um, it's like whack a mole. One comes up. That one goes, and then the next one comes. It's like it's a cycle. You know that. You're not stupid. But we did this. The Yankees did this on Saturday. You left Holder in for two fucking innings. Don't know why. Because by the time he was done pitching, the, the lead was insurmountable. It, 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 at a certain point, like you, I could make an argument with Mickey Calloway that him as a pitching coach should have A++ knowledge of how to handle a staff. But he doesn't yet. He does not know how to handle the bullpen yet. I think he's very good for the starting staff. I couldn't. I, I couldn't agree more. He's tre- he's treating the Mets staff with the same way because it's a similar similarly built rotation to what he had in Cleveland. So there was a you could you could make the argument there was a minimal adjustment period for Callaway, but yeah, he he now true. has a very good bullpen. Oh, extremely good. Right. Diaz looks lights out, but getting to Diaz shouldn't be that hard to navigate. You know, obviously you can't burn a reliever every game because they'll die. But you got you got you have enough guys there. You don't have to bank that heavily on Justin Wilson. You don't have to bank overly heavily on Seth Lugo. You got arms now. Use them. Uh, yeah, but it just seems to be a cop, dude. You can't wear every bullpen this early. You can't. You can't do it. You cannot do it. Injuries happen. You gotta wait. I. I you gotta wait. The first series is not a time to go. Okay, we're gonna unload everybody. This is yeah. the NFL, where every game you must win. Well, you know what I guarantee you is gonna happen today in the Bronx for the game against Detroit. Domingo Herman is our quote unquote starter. I don't think he comes into at the at the earliest the second inning. Something tells me tonight that the Yankees are going to try an opener. Um, I have heard that. I wouldn't doubt it. And I guarantee you it'll be Chad Green. To my knowledge, Green was the only one who tr- who took a sample at that role in spring training. Do you or do you have a problem with the opener? I mean, I unless I I don't because. The only relievers that should not be available today should be Sessa and Canely. You get Adovino back, who's looked incredible. Again, against the Baltimore lineup, but the stuff has movement. It's still, it's still, as long as the stuff is, I don't judge pitchers up again. Right. Yeah. Right. No, like Adovino stuff is 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 dancing all over the place. It, it it's fun as fuck to watch. But I I got there's a part of me. I'm curious to see the opener. Just because it, it's a proven concept and we have the, the the pen arms to do it, I just I don't know if I want Herman. I don't know if Herman will make it through uh, a full five innings. He might. He might not. He could. He has the stuff to, to do it, and he had a good he spring. Have the command of that stuff just yet. Correct. He's not a he's not a finished product. Neither is Sessa, not and yet. clearly neither not is Loisaga. Not yet. Right. We well, have, if one of them emerges to be a finished product, that's a huge one. I never thought 
in a million years that are the most you could make an argument the most important player that the Yankees don't have right now is Jordan Montgomery. Absolutely, because because he is a lefty, first of all. He's he's 2019 version of Andy Pettit. I, I um the stuff is the uh, same, the delivery's damn near identical. It's the delivery's identical, the pickoff move. I Well, yeah, I Andy say, Pettit had a legendary pickoff move though. Not a lot of people can have say, it. I wouldn't say his stuff was as good as Pettit. Mm-hmm. I see him on a good year being 15 and 10 with a 3-6 ERA. But as a 4-5 starter, you'll take that in a fucking heartbeat. Well, I think he's more of a – I think he's a solid three option for any club. Right. Um, he reminds me a lot of Steven Matz in the sense that they're lefties, so that makes him better. Yep. Their stuff isn't the best with movement, but they could easily go 15 and 10 with like a 3-5 ERA. Yeah, and, and if they get that, both those pitchers do that. Both teams are happy with these guys. Yeah, they're not aces, right? Um, put a lefty in there at that younger age. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. Yeah. Um. So now let I understand me, why let, you're upset with the Yankees, but now, well, the other thing too is that our two strike. I mean, you'd mentioned it. The two strike hitting and they're hitting with with men on. Has been you know, abysmal. Their approach for the Yankees has been abysmal, but it always has been. I thought they were going to try to change that a little bit, especially with getting Lemayhew in there. I thought not yet. Lemayhew's the only one hitting. No, no, I thought he would have rubbed off on other people. His approach. Yeah, you would have thought that. Um, but you are Sam. What did Sanchez straight up? Well, Sanchez had a fucking home run yesterday. Of course, it was when nobody was on base. That's the problem, and, and that's what, you know, one good thing I want to bring up about the Mets for going there is they scored 15 runs, and they only had one home run. Yeah, that that's... That's how you fucking win games in the postseason. That, I mean, 15 runs in one home run, I'll take that over 100 runs in 100. Yeah, what, what did McNeil go the other day? Four for five with a triple, a double, like three RBIs yeah. and two runs? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fucking Jesus. Alonzo, would he go four for five with two doubles? Something like that. Uh, and, and, and three doubles, three doubles, two to opposite field, and he pulled them. There you go. Uh, and, and I love what I'm seeing from those young kids, man. I really do. Yeah, well, you guys. You know their starting pitching is going to be there. It seems as though you know the bullpen's going to be there. If they can score runs, they're going to be dangerous. Yeah. No, it... And this, this is without Lowry and Sussex. Yeah, I. Well. Let's be real. If you look at Lowry, and we we touched on this when the signing happened, but when you look at Lowry, he's a depth guy. He he's just he he's almost like a Todd Frazier, like a depth guy, and a and just a veteran presence for a, an otherwise mainly a young team. We all knew, and Todd Frazier unfortunately might get phased out of this equation. He might as well be the fucking clubby. Um. Yeah. At this point, let's be real, because these guys don't seem the, the Mets are seem to be playing with that kind of like fresh, youthful spark. They that, have that for sure, and that you know everybody kept saying, "Oh, Lowry's hurt, Frazier's hurt." I'm like, and what did I tell you? I said, "Luke, they're not going to play that." Watch. Yeah. I said these young kids. I like them. I think they're good. I think they're very underrated. Yeah. They didn't get the hype that Labor Torres. Um, I think Ed Duhar got, or he didn't get as much hype as he deserved either. 
um, no. coming up, so to speak. Um, but Torres and, and Frazier, they got a lot more hype than these Mets kids got. And Rosario got a lot of hype. Yeah. Lonzo really did until last year. McNeil, nobody thought anything of him, even when he played well last year. Nobody knew a goddamn um, thing about Peter Alonzo until the Futures game last season. Jeff McNeil, nobody knew about him until he started tearing it up in the majors last year. Forget about batting almost 400 in the minors. Yeah. So my point is, is that these young kids are really, dude, I'm telling you right now, these young kids are going to make something of themselves. I, I think they have a run it. I really do. Whether that's this year or not, they, they have a core offensive team for the first time that's young. For the first time since probably Wright and Reyes came up together. Right. I mean, dude, all these guys, Alonzo, McNeil, Rosario, Nimmo, Conforto, J.D. Davis, who I really like, and get to that in mean, that's six guys under the age of 26, 27 years old. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of shit to be optimistic for. And you had called it the whole winter, so I'm not going to sit here and, and act surprised. What what I what I'm curious to see is when adversity comes for these for this now you know establishing core that y'all got. That's what the veterans are there for. Right. That's what the that in my opinion in a perfect world is what the Lowry's, the Frasers. The Ramos behind the plate, um, the Robbie Canoes. That's what they're there for. Right. That's what they're there for. I mean, Frazier, I don't, I don't care if I'm paying this guy 12 million. I don't care if he bats 100 times. If he's in my clubhouse, I'm taking that. Yeah. Jed Lowry, the same thing. I mean, Lowry wasn't like an all star for 12 years where I'm like, got him at the tail end. He's a scrapper of a player who had a great year last year, but I don't think the money was, was paid for him for all statistics. Right. It was a lot for his fertility in his clubhouse presence. Um, Wilson Ramos, I mean, anytime you have a hard-nosed catcher back there, that helps your team swagger. Okay? Yeah, The Mets started off the London 2 last year. They lost their starting catchers the back-to-back days, and I don't think they won a game for the next three months. As soon as they got on their catcher's back, they started playing well again towards the end of the year. Like I said, they had the best record the last month in baseball. Obviously, they were out of it, but still. Right. This team plays hard. Uh, dude, I went to a game in Miami. I don't know if we spoke about this on the show already. I went to a game in Miami over the summer. The Mets were out of it, but I was in Miami. And it was like a $5 ticket for a good seat, so why not? Dude, these guys were jumping around like they were in the playoffs, and they were so happy. And it was the veterans, too, like Reyes. Uh, it was the veterans, like Frazier. Dude, they were having a grand fucking time. Mickey Callaway has these guys wanting to play baseball. With Whatever Kool-Aid they're serving, these guys are drinking. Yeah. And they're believing. This, they have a new... Attitude to that. It's very. The attitude of this team was supposed to be through their pitching, right? DeGrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, Max, yeah. DF, Lugo, Familia. But the attitude of this team is really becoming that young line. Because I don't know who I'd want to face. And I'm not saying they're that good. I'm just saying they're, they're all good. Yeah. They're all good. It's, it's pick your poison as far as good players. It's not like the judge and Sam thing. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I wouldn't be upset with any one of them having an opportunity to tie or win a game. I'd be happy with any one of them having an opportunity to win or tie a game in that bad. But the other one thing I noticed is this. We talked about all year that NL East is going to be good. Yeah. 
you can't talk about three games. It doesn't mean much. But wins loss wise, it means nothing. Okay. But right. here's what does mean something. That Nationals lineup yeah. is missing Bryce Harper's bat. Yeah, it, it seems like you can tell. Like the one and we were hundred percent we correct about the Bryce pitches. What, that they that they lack the 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 depth? Yeah, they really do. They have no pitches. They really don't. That lineup is fearsome. It is deep. It might be the deepest in the NL. I, um, that's debatable, but it's up there in conversation. Well, but, the good news is the Giants got their doors blown off all weekend in San Diego. So they're fully on their way to being sellers. And the other thing that or the, I would say the only thing that surprised me from this point in baseball so far was that the goddamn Mariners – Made the Red Sox look like the Orioles. What happened to Chris Sale? Well, we well, me and you knew that Sale, comparative to Degrom's extension, was not worth it. Degrom yeah. is worth at least twenty million more than fucking Sale is, in my opinion. Um, but it's not even that. Eovaldi got rocked. Porcello got yeah, rocked. Every one of them let up at least five runs. And I'll tell you what. If, if, if I'm Red Sox ownership and GM, that's even if I went three and up. Again, I'm not looking at wins and losses. Yeah, that's worth something. Right, because your if bullpen's not going to do you. Guys, especially guys like Corsello and Sale, you're counting on them going seven innings. Corsello might give up five runs, but you want to go seven innings. Yeah, and your bullpen's not going to do you any favors this year either. So you oh, got to fucking hell. That that bullpen is made up of. We can try out for that bullpen right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so, yeah, the Red Sox are in a world of fucking hurt. But yeah. but let's let's put a bow tie on this one because there's a lot more baseball left to be played. And we got the final four next week, baby. Let's fucking do it. Alright, man. Alright, hey, listen, I'm uh, I'm gonna jump in the shower because I can get chance to do that earlier. Um I'll call you in about fifteen minutes. That's a ten four. Alright, I'll talk to you soon. Peace. And that was the latest episode of the Bleacher Creatures podcast brought to you by Jones for Sports. Again, if you haven't already, head over to Apple, Spotify, Anchor, uh, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, wherever, wherever you like to listen to your podcast, we're there. Just go subscribe. You got to stay in the loop to, to get the full experience of the, Bleacher, of the Bleacher Creatures podcast. Also, go to anywhere there's social media, type in Jones for Sports. You will find our pages. Jones for Sports Media is where we post all the new stuff as they come out. If you like the stuff that we, that myself and Sean are rolling out on a weekly basis with the now a soccer podcast debuting this week, go give us a follow for fuck's sake. Why not? Doesn't cost you nothing. But give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us a shout out. Give us a whatever. And we will see you guys in a week.